the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to Weekly Matches Native Show. Me, which is always fun, but I joined with the magnificent Jonas Gavarad Shagavara. I wish you all found him. Everyone knows who he is. My Norwegian comrade and uh, great friend uh, immediately after the Leipzig game. So, uh, always great to have Jonas on the show. Unfortunately, I wish we were having a better discussion, but... Um, <clears throat> We are not. Manchester United are out of the Champions League. All they needed was a point from the last two games. They couldn't manage it. Yunus, uh, so much to talk about tonight. Obviously, lots of people are going to have their preconceived narratives about who's to blame, Paul Pogba, mm-hmm. are they going to Solskjaer, what have you. For me, um, the one player, the one person that I can't blame for tonight is Paul Pogba, right? Uh, because he, uh, he, he, he didn't start again. I, I didn't say, I'm not saying what he did helped, but the responsibility is on eleven players to start that game. The coaching staff, mm-hmm. everybody else. I don't. I don't care about what signings weren't made in the summer. When we make signings in the summer, it's to go deep in the Champions League. It's not to get out of the group stages. You've got enough in your team to get out of the group stages. We know it's not a man of the team that could win the win the European Cup. Um, although in saying that, the group consisted of RB Leipzig and PSG, last season's finalists and semi finalists. So there's no reason why mm-hmm. they couldn't have gone far in that group or far in the competition. But tonight, just like last season, Jonas, where we lost three semi-finals, and the same attributes showed up tonight while we lost those semi-finals. And it feels like we learn nothing. We learn nothing from what's happened in the last seven years. We learn nothing about what's happened. Uh, with previous managers. We learn nothing in the transfer window. We can see the same goals every week. And here we are mm-hmm. again. We start this. We start this game completely listless. Uh, 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 performance saturated with ennui. It was just a terrible, terrible performance and a terrible indictment on a professional football team. Yeah, I mean, you you sum up a lot of what I know people think, and you are, uh, I mean, a man of knowledge and a man of understanding of football and how how the football industry works. So there's not a lot to dispute there, and how how it comes about is is a little bit difficult to say because I think what is sort of the same kind of factor that, that goes with every single Man United manager that's been, perhaps with the exception of David Moyes, is that you go one step forward and then three steps back and it seems like Man United keep doing that um and why that is I, I'm not quite sure anymore um it's easy to point at at leadership at board level it's easy to point at the ownership it's it's, it's easy to do so and perhaps you know looks like a duck talks like a duck maybe that is the case but but then again I, I also wonder when you face a team like RB Leipzig, who admittedly is one of the more impressive sides in Europe, and you are able to be down uh, 1-0 after two minutes and uh, 2-0 down inside the first 15 minutes, um, there's something to be said about the game plan and something to be said about the mentality within the squad as well, I think, because there shouldn't have been any doubt that going into that game, Man United needed a result. Um, looking at the way that they uh, shaped up the team, obviously that was a team that was supposed to counterattack and to defend and play safety first. And in some aspects, I understand that. Uh, then again, I also understand it's it could be viewed as cowardly. But then again, why do you spend so long 
looking for a solution within the same system when you're 2-0 down. Um, why does it take Ulgina Solskjaer and Manchester United so long to switch it up and try something new? Um, and I think I think in some aspects uh, you have to blame it on the players as well because as you said, there's 11 players out there who are supposed to follow a game plan and they're obviously not able to do so if they concede after two minutes. Um, and a guy like Paul Pogba is obviously going to get a lot of blame because of his agent and because of what he said this uh, week and, and understandably so as well. But then again, I think uh, it's perhaps a little bit of how do you explain it? I mean, there's so many factors that lead into the same kind of mess. There's so many, there's, a, there's an old saying, I'm not quite sure if it's politically correct to say anymore, but I, I'll use the Norwegian sense of it. It's uh, the more cooks you have, the more mess you have in the kitchen. And at Manchester United, there seems to be too many cooks and too much mess. Jonas, <clears throat> there's so many things to be concerned about. Um, in the thing that they like, talked about the fact that they don't learn, uh, uh, I've defended Solskjaer, and we'll, we'll go through individuals here um, that I feel are responsible. First of all, collectively United responsible for this. Um, <clears throat> but I, I want to make sure that uh, I exclude certain things, because we do touch on it there, that we know are, are, are ongoing problems. Yes, it's easy to blame the owners. It's easy to blame United not spending all that there. That, that is not relevant. Okay, What mm-hmm. happened tonight mm-hmm. had nothing to do with any of those factors. That shows up in other areas. That shows up when you get to a semi-final and you're playing against the top teams and you don't have enough. It doesn't show up mm-hmm. against RB Leipzig. All right? If it shouldn't you, anyways. No, no. You don't have enough quality in that team. Take a look at their defence tonight. Right? So they're the defence of David De Gea, a guy that mm-hmm. within a year or two ago was in the in a discussion for one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's certainly one of the best paid goalkeepers in the world. Right? If not the best paid. Yeah. You got Harry Maguire. Okay, I think he's still the most expensive defender in the world. All right, he is. Okay, you've got Victor Lindelof. They cost circa thirty million. All right, mm-hmm. you got Alex Tellis, right? Who is uh, widely regarded as one of the top fullbacks in the game. Mm-hmm. Right, you've got Aaron Wambasaka that's supposed to lead the same. Luke Shaw. It's a back five. It consists of players that were bought in the transfer market. Not like you were yeah. managed to go with kids, right? <clears throat> and, and, and so then you go into the midfield. Scott McTominay, who's starting to worry me, right? Because he, he hasn't played well in a long time. Poor. Um, Bruno Fernandes, one of the best midfielders in the world. And we need to be really careful about Bruno Fernandes' mindset because United won't keep a Bruno Fernandes forever, right? No. Um, <clears throat> Nemanja Matic that just got a new contract so clearly netted value up front Rashford and um, Mason Greenwood. Greenwood now it's not acceptable for me to make excuses for Marcus Rashford anymore it's acceptable to make them for Mason Greenwood <clears throat> Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood from Perrin almost cautionated the game against Southampton doing exactly the same thing missing guilt edge opportunities which you need to take Edison Cavani come on change the game Right now, Mason Greenwood is a magnificent young talent, um, and so. Uh, but the fact is that what we sh- what showed up again tonight was Marcus Rashford still misses too many opportunities. Right, if they mm-hmm. take one of these opportunities, United are through. These things matter, right? The third, the three goals that United conceded tonight do not belong at this level. They're the goals that they conceded against Brighton. Harry Maguire and David De Gea. Harry, deal with the ball, son. It's rule number mm-hmm. one as a defender. 
You do not leave it. You deal with it. Did he get a shout? If he didn't, where did he leave it? To, to me, there's just so many things. That, and again, the United looked most dangerous, Jonas, when? The last 20 minutes when they abandoned any tactical um, or any shape and they just threw everything at Leipzig and, and almost <laughs> saved yeah. themselves again. And let's be honest, if they got an equaliser, they probably wouldn't have deserved it and it probably would have covered over cracks. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. And I think I think the more ironic part of it is, is um, as you said, for the last 20 minutes, they kind of threw the game plan out of the window. And that's sort of what Man United used to do when they met Martin Fellaini. That's what they used to do. They used to stick him up uh, in the opponent's box and just hoof balls at him and, and see if they can create a chance or two. And more times than not, Fellaini would, would, would create chances. So, I mean, he was a walking plan B. And in some aspects, I think Paul Pogba kind of played that role a little bit tonight. So, um I'm not quite sure what the team has learned during those seven years. And, and what I think they're lacking, first and foremost, is a real leader. You can place that captain's armband on Harry Maguire, and Bruno Fernandes can have his superhero uh, appearances a couple of times during during the month or you know even once a week at, at times. But I, I just don't see anyone in that squad that's going to pull a Roy Keane in, in Turin in 1999, for example. There, there's no one who's going to going to do that. And I think that that's one of the things that is really lacking in Manchester United, someone to upheld the standards. Because can you really expect that from Bruno Fernandes, who's been at the club less than a year, for example? I mean, you, I, sh- I think you should be able to expect that from someone like David De Gea, who has been discussed as a captain uh, for, for a captaincy. I think you can expect that from Paul Pogba, who's a World Cup winner. I think you can expect that from Marcus Rashford, who's united through and through. And these are some of the players that are really, really missing out in the situations. So many <clears throat> areas that concerned me um, that when we, we look at certain things that are, to me are unforgivable, to be honest, right? Anybody can lose sure. a football game. Anybody. That happens. In fact, when I watched Ned against PSG last week, I had this bizarre feeling where most of the time when I watched Ned lose, I'm very, very disappointed. But after yeah. that game, I felt like, you know what, they actually didn't play too bad. You know, there was a couple of things that went wrong in the game. Solskjaer, no question, deserves criticism for not taking off Fred. <clears throat> no question, right? But what cautionated that game really was Martial's misses, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. That cautionated. That's not Solskjaer's fault. If Martial puts those balls in the net, you need to go through. But he didn't. Okay, so that happens. So now you find yourself in a situation going to Germany where you must get a point. You cannot start a game of football like that. That is unforgivable. Now, and, and yes, Solskjaer takes some of the blame. But you're a professional footballer. That is like a boxer walking into a ring and his mind being completely somewhere else and getting dropped twice in the first round expecting to come back and win a fight. It's yeah, not, definitely. It was, you, the, the, the players themselves had to take the blame too. Aaron Wambasaka is far too narrow. What is he doing that narrow? Why isn't he going man for man against Angelino? And start, well, look at when United attacked. What did Larby Leipzig's foot, uh, fullbacks do? They pressed the ball. They stopped the crosses coming yeah. in. Why can't we do yeah. that? Why do we leave so much space? Angelino just scores a minute and a half. Why? Because Wambasaka gives him 20 minutes to control the ball and shoot. Five minutes later, he stands and watches them take a cross and put it in that back post. Nobody tracks the runner from midfield because they're not sure how to play the system. At least that's how they looked. And here you are, 2-0 down, conceding two goals at this level that honestly, I expect to see on a training ground or at a live concert 
where you've picked two charity teams <laughs> and Freddie Mercury or, or, Fred, or, 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 or Rod Stewart's doing centre half. Because that is unacceptable, <laughs> mate. I'm sorry, like, that is something that as a coaching staff, you own. That is something Solskjaer, Michael Carrick and Kieran McKenna own. That is unacceptable. And if your players go out and do that, okay, there's certain things as a coach you're responsible for, as a manager, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> One of them is to make sure your team is mentally focused and prepared for what is going on, okay? Yeah. They didn't I kind of right. liked your... I, I, I gotta say though, I, I kind of mm. liked your uh, your boxer walking into uh, walking into a fight without really putting their guard up. I mean, Istanbul Başakşehir here has to be the Buster Douglas to Manchester United's Mike Tyson yeah. in, in that game in which Istanbul won two one because obviously that was the sense of uh, not rating your opponent, much in the same way that Tyson didn't rate Buster Douglas. So, and obviously Buster Douglas had the night of his life, and maybe Istanbul Başakşehir had the night of their lives uh, at that time as well. Um, but then again, I, you cannot leave things like this up to chance, and I think Man United have done that on a couple of occasions this season, especially in the Champions League. I mean, the defense, the, the defensive display against Başakşehir here is is worth almost an episode in itself. And again, when you away from home that was away from home as well but away from home you're not able to be more focused and more i suppose within the system is it's a fallacy and 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 it's something that uh has proved detrimental to manchester united in the past and it's proven detrimental now i remember when man united went away to wolfsburg a couple of years ago when louis Hall was the manager mm-hmm. same thing again it was you know defense defensive fallacy upon defensive fallacy i remember chris smalling had a horrible game that time um and it was just I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but I, I think that almost regardless of what manager you have, unless there's a change of, I don't know, mindset and and sort of not not looking for a leader but trying to nurture one more so instead. I don't know if Man United are going to change. You know, I think I think Jose Mourinho managed in his first season to create something that seemed like a nucleus, and obviously he had like the born leader in Zlatan Ibrahimovic to sort of guide Manchester United. And then Zlatan got injured Mm -hmm. and that sort of fell apart. And then eventually there was no one to replace Zlatan's presence in, in that team. Because I mean, Wayne Rooney, you know, bless him. He didn't really live up to the level anymore. And, and the players that they brought in were natural leaders. I mean, Lukaku, Fine. I think he's been criminally underrated by a lot of fans and he's proven himself to be one of the best strikers in the world at Inter. But he's not a born leader and seemingly Paul Pogba is not a born leader either unless you place the right kind of people around him. So I think I I completely agree with your points here. But I think that one of the things that is severely lacking is is a clear leader within within the team, because. Harry Maguire, as you said, when you're able to leave that ball at, at, on uh, that leads to the 3-0 goal, I mean, you first and foremost, you don't have control of your area, and seemingly you're not focused. You, you cannot be focused to let that ball go through. So so I, I'm placing that goal, I'm placing that solely on Harry Maguire because De Gea probably thinks that Maguire is, is going to hoof that one away, and when he tries to, to come out, he, he's too late. So... Um, no, I think it's a lack of focus, and obviously, I mean, if it's a lack of curiosity, then that's a greater, greater point. Well, Jonas, here's the thing that hurts, and one of the, 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 the harsh truths I have to admit: <clears throat> no other top team in Europe would have lost that game tonight. Bayern Munich wouldn't have lost it. Uh, PSG wouldn't have lost it. Liverpool wouldn't have lost it. 
Uh, Mourinho wouldn't have lost it. Um, you know, I, I dare say probably Chelsea too. Right? You, Atletico Madrid, City. You know, you go through these top teams; they would not have lost that game tonight, right? So probably right. Um, and I look at that Manchester United team and I say to myself, forget about a manager for a second, right? We 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 we, we will cover that in a second. But I look at the, these players one to eleven, right? Mm-hmm. And I ask myself, how many of these players have the attitude of a Bruno Fernandez? That they're yeah, desperate to very win. Very good point. They're yeah, de- very they, good point. I understand people have different personalities. I understand people. Not everyone's the same. Not everyone has to be the same. Not everyone has to act the same. People can show it in different ways. I get it, right? But yeah, and I don't have a very good record of coming from behind, which is which is encouraging. But this is a Manchester United team that looks to me like they're, they're too easily accept defeat. This is a team to me that to that did look for excuses not to give a hundred percent. And this is the one thing that worried me about the whole Pogba thing, because Manchester United are not a team you want to give an excuse to lose to, because they'll take it. Right, and when I looked at that whole Paul Pogba thing, I thought to myself, you know, some where it does concern me is that players inside that dressing room have a ready-made excuse if something goes wrong. But that has nothing to do with Paul Pogba. But that has to do with the players that played. And by the way, when Pogba came on to be fair to him, he actually played okay. He played like with yeah, one of the did. few that actually cared about the situation the football club was in, right? <clears throat> Which is all I asked for him when he's in a United shirt. Play, give your, give a hundred percent, and if you want to move, move, but keep it to yourself, right? So, when I when I when I looked at the reasons why United lost that game tonight, those reasons were present against Southampton. Those reasons were present against Spurs. Those reasons were present against um, West Ham at the weekend, and mm-hmm. Spurs were good enough to to punish United. West Ham and Southampton weren't. Leipzig were good enough to punish United. PSG were good enough to punish United. And I have a concern about what will happen at the Derby at the weekend. So this is a United team, man, that if I'm an opposing coach, I look at them and I say, forgive me for using this word, but they're pussies. All right? These are players that don't start a game with any intensity. All right? What are they they thinking about? What they watched on Netflix last night? It is completely (laughs) unforgivable. That you come out and play a football game like there's somewhere else you're more important for you to be, and yeah. so I'm am serious, mate. <clears throat> um, then, from a coaching perspective, we're always going to have to take blame. Is it? It was blatantly obvious early on in that game that that system wasn't working, mm-hmm. and when you consider goal. The first thing that should have happened is, okay, let's get our heads here. Let's keep this game tight and ugly, right? And let's not switch off. Let's make sure we don't repeat this mistake and give ourselves a mountain to climb. And they mm-hmm. went and conceded. By the way, they, they almost conceded a, they, they, a couple other great opportunities. Forsberg should have made a three within yeah. 14 yeah. minutes. That's a disgrace. Yeah. That is inaptitude beyond belief. That does not belong at this level. You have to have depth. You have to have preparation. Preparation is about alternative, about adjustments, about what if this happens? What do we do? What if that happens? What do we do? Every single one of them. Coach uh, Michael Carrick, 
uh, and the, 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 the players on the team looked completely clueless. There was no cohesion in, in, in how United attacked. It was full-backs knocking balls long down the line and hitting hope. Centre-backs knocking balls out wide and hitting hope, which is so predictable. right? And then hoping that someone produces a bit of individual magic. No surprise that they get back into a game. The two from from uh, the, the two goals that they scored were set pieces, corner and a, and a, and a penalty. No surprise. Yeah. Couldn't score from open play. Hoping someone produces a bit of magic. No creativity. No game plan. No cohesion that opens up Leipzig that creates opportunities. Mate, that is unacceptable. And I love Solskjaer. I've defended him. I know he's a Norwegian, and I've defended him <laughs> to 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 where I've gotten criticised. Look, I, I'm objective about him. If I feel he deserves criticism, I criticise him. If I don't, no, he does I won't. deserve it definitely. Yeah. Tonight, mate. That's a very concerning development because the only question that matters with Solskjaer Man isn't, is he good? It is, is he the guy that can take United to winning titles, to winning championships, three semi-finals and another defeat in a game that you had to win? That's a concern. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, I th- and what I think is um, on board level and in terms of the directors and the pressure that amounts around him. And at that, at the same juncture, you also have a guy named Mauricio Pochettino who sits without a job. You have a guy named Maximiliano Allegri that sits without a job. I mean, you have managers who, uh, perhaps not Pochettino, but at least with Allegri has won titles and know what it takes to, to, to get there. Um, if you want to add another one, I can add Maurizio Sarri as well. I don't think he would be a good choice. But then again, he's won titles. He's, he, he has uh, he's had success and he knows what it is to, to take a big club and to create a, a good playing style. I'm not going to launch him as any sort of replacement. But I mean, the thing is you have names there who could go in and replace uh, Sul Sharem. And I think uh, with this defeat and perhaps a defeat uh, to Man City at the weekend, of course the pressure amounts. Of course you have to look at it and think perhaps it's time for us to to try something else, especially considering the fact that Real Madrid at the, t- at, at the same time is having the same sort of questions asked about Zinedine Zidane. If they lose tomorrow to Borussia Mönchengladbach and they're out of the Champions League, I can almost guarantee you that, that Zidane is not going to remain uh, Real Madrid manager and the first choice there would be Pochettino. So say this uh, continues at Man United and you decide to sack Solskjaer, who are you going to replace him with then? Because your number one choice, who is likely to be Pochettino, would, would probably be gone to Real Madrid. I mean, these are the sort of questions you also have to ask at board level at Manchester United now. Is is United going to be developing under Solskjaer to a, t- to a team that's going to be winning the championship or, I mean, winning a cup perhaps this season and then going for the league title next season? I think the question is out there and i think the answer as of right now is a quite resounding no as to whether or not Solskjaer is the man but at the same time it's kind of strange saying this and you kind of have a feeling at least i do at the back of my head that they're probably going to win against man city now because that's become sort of this weird jekyll and hyde-ish aspect of this team they can look like they could be by a munich five nil one game and then they lose to one to Istanbul Başakşehir here the next game you never quite know which team is going to show up and and I don't know how much you can place that on just the manager uh, then again this is football and football works in this way if the team doesn't perform the manager has to go um, 
but but I think and I see as well. I mean, I, I obviously posted the question uh, on Twitter or asked people to ask us question on Twitter, and and the question that keeps popping up here is people asking who are we to blame now, and I really don't know who Man United fans are to blame anymore because you can point fingers in every direction and someone probably has a bit of the blame, and that leads me to the to the conclusion that this is a cohesive. I suppose you have to put the blame on the cohesive unit more so than just uh, pointing out the manager or the owners or, you know, individual players. I mean, Manchester United is going the wrong way at, at this moment. <clears throat> to borrow a line from Mourinho in that Amazon special, you have to... Nice guys don't win. You have to be... Um, I think you can fill in the blank, all right? <laughs> yeah. So um, you have to personify that, and he's right. Okay, you have to have a nastiness in the and business. And, and look at Tottenham now. Look at Tottenham yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. And see, this is where I'm talking about Pochettino's team were nice. Okay, yeah. this is where I would have a reservation about Pochettino in that you might be getting like for like with Solskjaer, you might get nice football, but are you going to be the team that? <clears throat> are you going to instill a? a, a character and attribute inside your team that turns you into um, female genitalia to use a, a colloquial description of female genitalia, do you know what I mean? Um, that uh, that gets you a win. It turns you into a nasty person. It turns you into someone that's ruthless. I don't know. You know, that's the part I'm not sure about. See, this is where you lean on certain things, right? So, this is where reputation really matters. This is where trust matters in an individual. Because to get consistency in anything, it's the hardest thing to get in life, right? In, a, in a, whatever it is, right? Because it requires to be, to, for you to be consistently good, it requires a number of things, right? Especially within a group set in Jonas, right? Because you can find exceptional individuals like Cristiano Ronaldo that's consistent, right? Because of the way they live their life. They do everything they possibly can to win, okay? But those people are rare. So then you have to get, um, you have to set an environment at your workplace that demands this. Otherwise, there's consequences. The problem with United is it's a business. And it's demonstrated with Paul Pogba. Because under any football club, they had football ambitions that were serious about winning trophies and prioritized that over anything else. He would already be gone. But unfortunately, you're made to acquiesce with him. You know, they're almost obsequious to him because it's all about resale value. So now you won't undermine Solskjaer's, um, or any manager for that matter, like Mourinho, you undermine their authority. And you undermine their ability to say to a player, if you don't give me everything you have, you will be sold. You will be kicked out. I don't think so, Wally, because Ed Upstairs is going to give me a new contract to protect my resale value. You can't get that at a football club. You can't foster that environment anywhere. If someone's asking you to do stuff that you don't want to do, and understand there's no consequences whether you do it or not. In fact, you'll probably get rewarded for not doing it because United will give you a new contract. This is where business and football... This is where they cause a problem, right? Mm -hmm. This is where priorities matter. So, according to certain people, 
Sulzker's wanted rid of Pogba for a long time. I believe that. If he has, he should have been gone. Mourinho wanted rid of him. He should have been gone. Mm-hmm. Right? But he's here. Because... For sure. For purely for financial reasons. So, to me, until Manchester United resemble a football club that turns around and says to a manager, look, you are in control of personnel. And, as, and if you come to me, whether we like this player or not, right, Jose Mourinho was very clever. He said something in the States about Anthony Martial, where he said he can't be sold because I think it's Joe Glazer's favorite player, right? <laughs> now he said that deliberately, <laughs> right? So, I, so if we have situations like that, you know, we could sit here and argue all we want about managers, about players. This is an environment that rewards players for all the wrong reasons, and that is personified by what you see in the pitch, right? It's personified yeah, by players sure. who don't care about, you know, wouldn't happen at Liverpool. Right? It wouldn't happen anywhere else. These are clubs that don't have United's commercial capabilities to go out and monetize their brand the same way. So they have to win playing football. They have to win trophies. They have to, that's where they generate revenue. United don't have to do that. Similarly not. And, and considering the fact that, um, I mean, it, this has been discussed so many times. I'm not quite sure if it's going to be that interesting for the listeners to to listen to this again. But, but obviously, the lack of spending and lack of acquiring your top target is is something that keeps occurring at Manchester United seemingly almost every summer or um, and every third summer. You get you actually do acquire your targets, and and the fan base thinks that um, you're going to rally for a league title, and then they fall just short, and then it's like, oh, yeah, well, but we'll build on this. We'll just we just have to get our top target this summer again. And, oh, we didn't quite get our top target. Fine, we can still build from this absolutely fantastic young core that we have. And, oh, we fell short of the title this time and we just qualify for the Champions League. Fine, let's... But if we, this summer we have to acquire our number one target, right? We have to really build now. And then they don't get that number one target. And then you see what happens now with Solskjaer. And... I have a feeling that this has happened before. It, it, I, I, I believe we can sort of uh, rewind the clock back three, four years and we almost have the same sort of conversation. So, uh, And in that time, in those three, four years, as you correctly point out, teams like Liverpool have improved dramatically. Tottenham have, have improved dramatically. And I think it's become emphasized with Manchester United now because it's not just the... Atletico Madrid's and the RB Leipzig's and the Borussia Dortmund's. It's the teams that are close to you. It's the teams that affect your local value and that makes you become even more scrutinized uh, in terms of both your your local press and and obviously the national press and and in in terms also the international press. Um, and I think that eventually that's going to hurt the brand that is Manchester United. I I, I don't think that you can make chicken salad out of chicken s-h-i-t all the time um and i think manchester united are at the point now where where they're now going to be able to do so but then again as you correctly point out you seemingly get awarded for not doing much at the club and i, and I also think that the um what do you call it, the extension clause or the, the thing that they put into almost every contract now where they can extend the contract by a year. I, number one, I think it's, it's in, in a way, it's clever because it protects your resale value, obviously. But why do you put that in 
contracts if you're not going to aim to keep that player beyond his contract anyways i i always thought that is that because you're trying to is that because you don't think of attaining or reacquiring that player or signing him to a new deal beyond his current deal so you know that when he's going to run down his deal you can sort of just extend that with, with another year and be able to sell him does that mean that you already have sort of a resale aspect of any purchase that you get i i, I just I just think that as you as you point out, it's it's run more like a business than a football club. I I, I now I don't know if if Mohamed Salah and Sergio Aguero and Harry Kane and 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 Holman Sung all have the sort of clause in their contracts, but the fact of the matter is we don't think about these things because those teams are delivering on the pitch and they're they're playing good football and these players are performing, whereas the Manchester United players are not, and these topics become what we speak about. <clears throat> Look, Jonas, this has been a problem for a long, long time, okay? And United, when you, when you go back to Ferguson, right? And I've talked to people who work at United, they've emphasized this, Ronnie Mullenstein being one of them. When the transition happened from Ferguson to David Moyes, one of the things that illustrated was the fact that a couple of things. First of all, it was a redistribution of power within the football club. Ferguson was the autocrat, right? He decided, made the final decisions on everything. So what you had was a number of little minions that were looking at this going, I'm going to get, I, that, that's not my power. That's not my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that runs this football club, okay? So that's when you know, transitioned from a... Uh, part football club, part business, to 100% business that happens to play football. So now that power was given to people that know nothing about football and also pay no consequence for knowing nothing about football. Okay, The only people that pay consequences for knowing nothing about football are the managers. Or sorry, for, 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 for not performing to a certain level or managers because they're the easiest to get rid of. Players mm. don't pay consequences. Look, Marcus Rojo, what is he doing at this football club? Yeah, Eric Bailly, what is he doing at this football club? Right? You can't bring in centre-backs because they're counted as two centre-backs. They're not centre-backs. They're not football players. They hike in earth. Can you count them? They're not. Right? Mm -hmm. They're employees who happen to show up, but they're not serious considerations. And if that is part of the reason why you can't bring in the players that you need to be where you want to be, again, this is a problem with club being run solely as a business is a problem. So you have a situation where <clears throat> you've now got people picking managers, right? Who don't know how to pick one because they don't know what it takes to be successful. They don't know what it takes to see. They, they, if you sat, make no mistake about this, right? Make no mistake about this. Louis Van Hal and, and Jose Mourinho got that job for a couple of different reasons. Van Hal got the job <clears throat> because he's experienced, because he has a track record of being successful, right? Um, at big clubs like Bayern Munich, like AC Milan, or Bayern Munich, like Ajax, uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's why I got the job. Now, at no point, because they're not capable, or were the football committee, or whatever they want to call it, did they sit down and say, but why is Van Hal being successful? And what does his football look like? What are what Ajax and Barcelona are identical football clubs. 
And if you want to pick another one that will resemble them, it would be Bayern Munich. All right. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to Franz Hoek. And what he told me off the air, Jonas, mm -hmm. is heartbreaking. All right. Now, when you go to a club like Bayern Munich, all right, or Barcelona or Ajax, of course, Barcelona and Ajax are, are cousins, right? But let's just, just Bayern Munich, okay? <laughs> this is a football club that from, and I'll give Solskjaer's credit, he's done this at United, to be fair, and laid the foundations. But when you look at this football club at the very bottom, all right? So Bayern Munich, from their youngest age group to their first team, all play the same way. Yeah. Same system, same everything. So they can almost surgically take a player from their youth team and put them into their first team, and they don't look like what we saw tonight. They don't look completely clueless. They don't know what they're being asked to do. They know exactly what they're being asked to do. They know exactly what's asked for them. They know exactly how to fit in. And they'll say to a manager, you can come here. You can bring in a couple of your own players, but this is the way you've got to play. All right? This is our identity. So, fine. You, you adjust to them, but to be fair to Bayern Munich, they have a culture in place. Even the money men at Bayern Munich are football people, okay? So yeah. they get yeah. it. So everything is built around football success. That is the barometer of success and failure. If you're not successful on the pitch, you're not successful, okay? That's not the barometer at Manchester United. So you have a, an infrastructure in place that if you get an injury, you've got depth. If you get an injury at United, you don't have depth. All right, you've got a youth team that prior to the last year or two was a mishmash of uh, kind of neglected. There's no real, what's our profit and loss on the youth team? That's uh, kind of a loss. I uh, will not really invest in that. That's the thought process. Mm -hmm. So, fine. So you don't have infrastructure you needed to pull from where you can, you know, Van Hop gave six, I think it was six youth team players their debut because he had to, because he had no depth, right? So what did Van Hal and Mourinho do? Van Hal and Mourinho took United and made them ugly and defensive because they didn't trust the quality in the team. They said, look, this team doesn't have the quality to open up and play expansive football. So you play a game that reduces percentages, all right, that says, okay, we, we have a better chance of winning this game if we play for set pieces, if we, if we make it ugly. If, but if we open up, we're going to get beaten because they've got better quality than us. That's what Mourinho did. Mm -hmm. That's what Van Hal did, all right? So, fine. They never got the quality that they needed, and United never truly understood what it was that made both of them successful. Mourinho, you have to support him completely. You have to let him do what he's doing at Tottenham. You have to let him bring in players that you don't like, that may not have massive resale value, and that may not okay, have massive commercial value. I, 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 I mean, certainly I wouldn't care about Holland's resale value right now if he scored the goals to put United through tonight, right? Or to put them top yeah. of the league, or, or to have won those semifinals last season. It'd be totally irrelevant, okay? But, yeah, yeah. again, business trumps football. So, the, the, sorry, this is a long-winded um, <clears throat> uh, uh, um, report. No, you're but, passionate. You're passionate. That's, that's, that's well, <laughs> sorry, yeah, but the thing is, so, so, so the infrastructure is being destroyed at United, right? So Ferguson goes, the power goes that was once given to Ferguson, to the people above him who don't know what they're doing. Now, they're not bad people, nice people. Um, Edward Bridge a nice guy, really nice guy. You meet him personally. I will not say anything bad about him personally. I'm talking purely in the in a professional sense. Okay? Yeah. Just like Paul Pogba, I've had the privilege of meeting Paul Pogba. Absolutely lovely human being. A gentleman. Right? <clears throat> um, but uh, again professional. So 
part went to the top, Jonas, um, and it's just been made an absolute mess of. So not, nobody learns, nobody pays a consequence anywhere for this ineptitude. And we have a situation, and I'm telling you, if Solskjaer is not the right guy, that won't be enough to get him sacked. What will be enough to see that the thing is, if you look at who's been sacked, Gilbert Moyes was the quickest to be sacked. Why? Because well, up in the Champions League. Well, because he wasn't uh, Edward Wood's hair, so it doesn't reflect poorly yeah, well. on him, right? So Solskjaer will be retained in that job because he's Edward Wood's hair, and it's more about do I want to admit I made another mistake, right? Or am I going to hope and pray that this guy turns it around? So mm -hmm. to me, I think that. Um, we, we we have this situation because this is about individuals, their ego, about what's best for them, about what's best for Joel Glazer, about what's best for everybody. And it just so happens, coincidentally, that the three best people to run this football club all went to Bristol University. Yeah. Um, I think that I think one of the issues that needs to be underlined here is you, you were comparing Man United to uh, Barcelona, uh, Ajax, and, and Bayern Munich. And one distinct difference between those three clubs and Man United are also that those clubs are uh, not, uh, they don't have a sole owner. They don't have one person that sits at top. Um, Barcelona are run by their members. In Germany, they have the 50 plus one rule, which means that uh, the fans have to, have to own 51% of the club. Um, then again, there's a lot of scrutiny around that, considering RB Leipzig managed to get around that. And not quite sure how the thing works in, in Ajax, but I think it's I, I I do believe there's some membership thing there as well. Whereas Manchester United, they do have a sole owner at the top, the Glazer family. I mean, it, it used to be Avram Glazer, but obviously he's passed away. So it's his sons and daughters that run the club. Um, and I I don't know them. You you've obviously met met people in and around the club, so you know more about this than me. But but I would assume and this is being from, from a business standpoint, they're in it to, to earn money. They're in it to, to benefit from it. And I'm not saying that, that they don't care about how Man United are doing, but would you really blame them if they didn't? Because they're really not there to uh, benefit the club. And I think that's become quite clear. And I don't understand. I, 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 well, I do understand for one part that a lot of fans would like them to be uh, the Roman Abramovich, the uh, the Abu Dhabi group that that runs uh, Man City, who seemingly have become more invested and and more taken the club and and the society in and around the club to their heart and kind of created something, whereas the Glazer family came to, you know, the table was set when they came. I mean, Man City were needed uh, money desperately. The same thing went for when Ken Bates sold Chelsea to Roman Abramovich. They they desperately desperately needed money uh, unless they were going bankrupt. Um, whereas Manchester United were one, if not the richest club in the world when the Glazer family bought them. So obviously they did so in order to, to, to benefit uh, themselves and benefit their, their wallets. And, and who, who, who can blame them for that? But then again, why, why are or how long do they think, I should say, how long do they think they can benefit from it when the team is not performing to the levels of teams such as Bayern Munich, such as um, perhaps not Barcelona at this stage, but um, the likes of Liverpool, for example, and, and, and the likes of other teams that have either owners, ownership groups, or systems that are more footballing-based, more so than business-based. Because 
in the long run, it's not going to be beneficiary to Man United as, as a footballing institution or to the Glazer family as a, a family and, and an enterprise of business more so than anything. Um, and I think the, therein lies the great question and therein also lies the question, why haven't Man United uh, hired a, a sporting director, a director of football mm-hmm. to sort of uh, keep the blueprint alive, to, to keep sort of the... Uh, I suppose uh, some something to to you know be a sense of identification for the club tour. I I don't know um, if that has been discussed or not. I, I know that um, it's been reported many a times that they've been looking at doing it. Uh, the fact of the matter is they haven't done it, and that is also pissing a lot of people off. Considering the fact that all the clubs we mentioned have that model, mm-hmm. and all those clubs are quite successful based around the fact that they've hired footballing people in those sorts of positions to be able to when a Jurgen Klopp leaves Liverpool Liverpool are going to remain in the same direction because they have a person that sits above him that will be able to keep that intact the same goes for Barcelona who fire sporting director more than they fire coaches and Bayern Munich have been able to do the same thing uh, keeping sporting directors now they have Hasan Salihamidzic who is I've actually texted with him and he's incredibly nice and incredibly uh, genuine in the way that he uh, at least talks to people. Uh, and he seems to be someone who cares a lot about the club and obviously he's played for the club um, and played against Man United, I believe, as well. I believe yeah, he played he the final in 1999 <clears throat> against Man United, actually. He, he uh, also scored, played in the group stages, them. too. Yeah, he scored in the group stages, didn't he? In that yeah, two, he's a good two, player. Or, yeah, very good player. Um, and obviously, we can sit here and we, we, we can reminisce about players who played against Man United and now have managerial or director roles at clubs that Man United should aspire to become like. What what does that say? I mean, there's not a, a, a lack of people that I believe would like to give back to Manchester United. The likes of Gary Neville, the likes of perhaps Edwin van der Sar, who has mm-hmm. a director's role at Ajax. Um and, and I assume that there will be more people in and around the club that would, that would like to be able to contribute, no. but, but they're not able to do so because obviously they scrutinize them in the media and, and it's become sort of a stale front between the class of 92 and the ownership group and, and so forth and so on. Um, but all of this has, has become, I think, um, has created sort of a us and them mentality in which you have to sit either on the side of those who are uh, idealists who believe in that term that I absolutely despise the united way because what does that even mean anymore and and then you also have those who sit and there aren't many of them but there are some people that sit with the ownership group and think that hey you have to be patient and they're doing the best for the club and you cannot spend so and so and so covid-19 thing 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 yeah Oh, you know, you know the arguments you've heard mm-hmm. all of them. If you if you're in social media, you've seen them. But there are two fronts here, more so than, uh, no pun intended, a united front to actually find out what is the issue and how can this issue be resolved. And I'm not speaking just about the supporters here because the supporters are more so in line with the idealism, which I completely understand because a football supporter should be an idealist. A football supporter is the paying customer and he and her should be able to demand what they want from from what they pay to see and from uh, the season tickets they pay, the, the shirts they pay and so forth and so on. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, George. But I think, I, no, no, no problem. Uh, I, just, I just think that you have to find a way and a common solution for everyone to, to in a way, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted why there hasn't been 
a supporters forum, for example. I know that there was one that was um, that I believe the BBC had something about where where Ed Woodward showed up and he said one or two things, but it's never sort of been uh, broadcasted or people haven't been able to to speak their mind about it. Um, it just seems that that like Manchester United in the past what should we say, past 10 years, I suppose, because it, it happened under Ferguson as well, have distanced themselves more from their roots and from the people that make Manchester United, Manchester United, which are the supporters and and also are the players that made Man United, uh, the legends of the club, the Gary Nevels of the club, the Paul Scholes of the club, the the Phil uh, the Phil Nevels of the club. Uh, I just think it's, it's, it's weird and it's become even weirder because they they've tried to kind of grasp at it by hiring Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as their manager. They tried to grasp at it hiring Nicky Butt as their uh, academy director. But I don't know if those are why those hires have happened. But they're not interested at all in including other people. There 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 in lies something which I just cannot explain. Um, and I have no idea because if it's only because of media scrutiny, then then that club is in in bigger trouble than than you and me can can even imagine. I think. Well, I think there's a number of reasons. Uh, we won't go on too much longer. I've been doing this for 15 minutes. Now. I appreciate everyone <laughs> listening. I know it's late where you are, but I think first of all, director of football. So if you think about it, Jonas, right? The Glazers are well aware that that's a very sensitive area. So are Manchester United. As a football club, they well award transfers is a very, very sensitive area. They should I, be. I, I don't think they want to give control over of that department to someone who themselves will be judged on recruitment. So when you're sitting in an interview with such some, someone like Edwin van der Sar and say, look, Edwin, I know you want your, you've got a big reputation in football. To be Manchester's director of football, you're not really going to have final saver who comes in. That's going to be Matt Judge and Edward Word. And yeah, you might identify certain players, but you have to accept that Ed's going to put in last-minute bids, and this is our strategy, and it often ends in failure. You have to accept that. And yes, two years from now, you might end up getting sacked because the recruitment's been a disgrace, um, but that's how it is. So it's basically an impotent role. No one of repute is going to take that job. Also, what they're afraid of is someone with a big reputation resigning or whatever and then spilling the beans about this is what really goes on, right? Just like Mourinho did, just like Van Hal did, okay? Oh, that happened, though. Didn't that happen? Wasn't uh, where he didn't spill, his be- uh, spill the beans, but uh, what was his name? Ribalta, the guy who... Uh, yeah, yeah, well, he's... he's yeah, yeah so, so what you're going to get is you're going to get people... If you go, you can't hire so so Marcel Brands and all this, right? To, yeah, to yeah. me, to me, that is a role that the Manchester United to me are not a serious football club. Okay, they believe wholeheartedly that United's brand will survive failure because it's like Disneyland, right? Because we can sell it on everything that happened before we got here, not anything that we've done, anything that was done before we got here. Okay, but that is not going to last forever. Okay, so United have no track record of success under this current regime. There is no way they have any right to ask for more patience or trust. They don't deserve it. And as much as I want to see a successful manager, I have no confidence that these guys are going to pick one. Honestly, it is genuinely like, 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 like sending you and me in the Victoria's Secret and buying the best party on the world. We wouldn't know where to start. 
right? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so he, the, the thing is, like, he, 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 they have to accept what they don't know. And if being a successful football team was a priority for them, this would have been addressed a long time ago. This would have stopped a long time ago. If this was something that the Glazers, the Glazers, you, you judge people on what they do, not what they say. They have a barometer of success that's based on finance, not, not, not football success. They don't care about football success, right? This summer, what happened this summer was a disgrace. Again, an absolute disgrace. You know? So you can bring in anybody, Zidane, whatever. If they're going to ask for players they don't get, then you get this. Mm-hmm. This is what you get. You get players that don't fear failure because there's no consequence. You get people above them that don't fear failure because there's no consequence. The only person that needs to fear failure is the scapegoat, and that's the manager. Because he will pay mm-hmm. for his job, and the Glazers and Woodward, and well, they'll let him take the blame. No problem. As long as fans want to place the blame dirt, they will. But if you want to blame Solskjaer, fine. But don't forget also, he's not the only person to blame for this. All right? So you can be, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're Hulk Hogan. If you are telling a player to do something they don't want to do, which is often to be consistent, requires you to have complete commitment and to do things, to go the extra mile, which most human beings don't want to do because they're given um, uh, proclivity, the, the proclivity is to be lazy. Um, and there is, hey, I know you're not going to get any, any, there's going to be no consequence for doing this if you don't do it. They're not doing it. Yeah, you know. Anyway, yeah. Jonas, mate, listen. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. Thanks for taking the time. I would love to uh, have you back uh, whenever you fancy it, mate. Your first, first class as always, and um, <clears throat> I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and be on BTP and the United Show. So, um, can I get you back? Oh, my pleasure. Of course, of course, man. You know me. Anytime. Let me know. It's my absolute pleasure to be on and. Um, uh, it's great to, to, to listen to your passion because yeah. I think that your passion no but honestly I think it reflects on a lot of people and and uh, and you also come from a place of knowledge and listening to both knowledge and passion is something I can do a lot more often so thank you for having me on pleasure mate thank you so much Jonas absolute pleasure mate folks I'll put this guy's Twitter ID into the uh, tweet that puts, out the, that puts out the podcast out there so make sure you give him a follow um, he's got a, an impressive number of followers as it is for not for no reason <laughs> and uh, <laughs> see you, you'll see why if you don't follow Morelli you'll see why you should uh, and uh, always a privilege to have him on here Jonas mate there's so much coming up over the next few weeks obviously the transfer window is not a million miles away you yourself have brilliant contacts you work um, you do, of course you work in the media all over Norway and, uh, and abroad so you've got yeah. uh, very very highly respected so always a pleasure mate and uh, look forward to getting you back cheers pal Cheers, thank you. Thanks, mate.